Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you are listening on audio, that's uh, 30 seconds worth of spiel uh, to promote the podcast uh, today, Rob, because we have to do this, even though Man United are god-awful. We said we'd do it twice a week, and oh my god, I can't express how little I care about Man United at the moment, and (laughs) the players seem to be in the same position too, don't they? Well, we're professional, Scott. That's why we do it. This is our job, so we're going twice weekly with the promised land. It would be nice, isn't it, if our footballers went at least once weekly, mm. you know, turned up on a football pitch and just gave a little bit more than what they're giving, you know, like just pass the ball from A to B and look like you care. So we'll talk all about that today, as we always do. What we try not to do is regurgitate subjects because that becomes boring for the audience and boring for United fans. But unfortunately, as we stand in kind of this flux with our football team, we do need to discuss the reasons why these things are happening. Yes, indeed. A reminder, you can also follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at, at underscore Rob for Rob and at Promised Land MU. And there'll be probably be a lot of expression uh, in that kind of regard that Rob was just referring to on those Twitter pages too. Uh, today, we'll talk about the Everton game, even though it was a few days ago, uh, you know, the fallout. United only play on Saturday is Norwich. So there's plenty of time to digest what's happened. There already has been, and we'll we'll shed a light on what's happened there. We'll talk about Cristiano Ronaldo as he's been in the headlines. Uh, we'll also look at some potential transfer targets. Uh, Darwin Nunes is a name that's circled uh, with United over the last few weeks and months, and United are scouting him at the moment. And United might need a striker. So we'll look at that area of the pitch for next season. And we'll also look ahead to uh, the Norwich game, which is at Old Trafford on Saturday at 3pm and a planned protest against the Glazers. Uh, We'll also shed some light on that as that is also doing the rounds too. Uh, And Rob, yeah, let's get into it, I guess. Uh, Let's start with Everton because I knew that day that United would lose. I just had that feeling, and I've, I've spoken to fans of other clubs. Like we did a show on 90 Min's YouTube channel yesterday. Uh, Tottenham fans and City fans and you know Liverpool fans kind of surprised that United lost that game, but you could just tell. Like Everton weren't even that good. They just tried a little bit harder, and they ended up winning. Scored in, what, the 24th minute, and United didn't. They had a bit of the ball, no intensity in their passing, no... like real attempts to get back in the game really it was just a oh let's just let this one pass us by and get out on it zero surprise really wasn't you know I think again we even said on our show last week that that this Man United team if there was one side in the division that would give this poor Everton team a gift of three points just when they need it the most 
it's our football team. This is what we do. This is what we are at the moment. Um, as you said, Everton weren't that good. You know, I watched the game, obviously, and studied it and looked at the numbers. And Everton just did enough to kind of be in the game and they win it 1-0. And that's all they needed at the end of the day. But Man United were the perfect opponent for them to come. Yeah. Come and upset the crowd, you know, get the crowd going, get the Evertonian crowd, you know, buzzing for their team for the first time in a long time. That was kind of up and down during the match. You could tell they were reacting to their own side and what they were trying to do. But this Man United team, whether it's got stars in it, rotated, players getting a chance... Ronaldo, Bruno, whoever's in the team, it is the same thing, the same rubbish, the same disconnection, the same lack of cohesion, and the lack of just pride. Is it pride or is it a case that, you know, we talk about functionality in football and about how things are supposed to work. Why are things not working when you've got a great attack, a kind of a tactical coach who can put things together and give you formulas to go and do stuff? Why can you not pass the ball from A to B? What is the problem? Because that's a that's a real fundamental thing. So I think pride is part of it. Because I think this Man United team is kind of done with this season. It feels like it. But you're still only six points away from top top four. You know, if you go and beat Everton, you're three points away. You could have still done this. You still could have got top four. So I think it does show that even though the fans and the football club would like Man United to be in the, in the Champions League next year, we just talk about players in the Champions League, don't we? How much of a motivation is it for this set of Man United players? doesn't seem to be a big one, does it, Scott? You know, they could have got fourth. They could be on that pathway. They're not really into it for whatever reason. And I think the big thing with that is leadership. So this Man United team doesn't have leadership either from management because it's got an interim coach and the players who claim to be leaders. And I'm looking at you, Cristiano, Bruno, Harry Maguire, Marcus Rashford, the true leaders of the of the dressing room. You're not doing your job because you're not dragging these boys through at the moment you need to. Where do you think it stems from, Rob? Is it obviously we know that Ralph has come in. We no blame lies at Ralph's door as far as I'm concerned, as much as people do want to try and throw shade and criticism at him. It's not on Ralph Ranick, but no. how do the play? How do you think the players look to Ranick? Do you think there's any kind of respect there? Is, is the fact that he's an interim, does that mean that are they, we don't really have to try? I don't do you think, think, I don't think it's a case of complete disrespect. I think what it is, is that this is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's squad. And these are Ole's boys. So when Ole was sacked, there was this big kind of groundswell at the time that, oh, the players had stopped playing for him and that's why results were bad, et cetera, et cetera. And we tried to make the case that really the problem with the tactical issues with the team, how do you get, you know, how do you get kind of blood out of a stone? You know, what, what needs to change, essentially? And I think this is why Ole did get the sack. A lot of Man United players were not happy with that. A lot of Man United players were like, this is our boss. He brought us to the club. And we play for him. Now, Ole gone, I think we're seeing that kind of echo, that resonance of discourse from that decision a little bit. Because these players are like going, well, we'll turn up. We'll, we'll put the shirt on. We'll go out there. But do you know what I mean? I'm only really 80% into this. You're going to pay me at the end of the day. And I'm going home. So we'll wait to the next manager. And I think that that is kind of where they are. It's that typical kind of office discourse when things are not working and you can't get people to kind of just perform at a higher level and you need to shuffle things around. That that staff know that. 
and they're just not going to bring it every day. So I think this is the problem with Man United is that like we use the words pride and stuff all the time in football, we'll band it around like it's a commodity. I think that these players are a bit like, well, the football club are not really helping us. You know, they've sacked our boss. You know, should we help the football club? That's a weird position to be in. And I do think with these Man United players, there's a few that are going and they know it. They know they're going and they're thinking, well, do I need to turn up at Everton? You know, Everton need the points more than us and I'm not going to be here next year. So, you know, off I go. And I'm, I think that from top to bottom, and that's the problem. I think it from the senior players, I mentioned four of them a minute ago. One of them has just got a big contract. So he seems a little bit happier the last couple of weeks. But the other three don't particularly look happy. And I think that this is that's something that runs through the dressing room. I think this dressing room knows it. And they know there's new manager coming in. And it's not about we don't like Ralph. It's just that we don't care about Ralph. And that's just as kind of, as I think, as potent as saying that you don't like a manager. It's been suggested in conversations that I've had that United, in their appointment of Ranić and seeing, obviously, the, the uplift that, at Tottenham scoring mm. loads and loads of goals. Did United write the season off when they turned their nose up at Conte and hired Ranić? No, they got the strategy wrong. So when, when Ole was on the brink of being sacked, one of the true things coming out from our sources at the football club was that if this manager goes, and when they were saying if, it was pretty sure that Ole was on his way. If this manager goes, we are not, we're not putting an interim in place. That was what they said. And they said they didn't want to put an interim in place because they thought it would go wrong. They put an interim in place. So I don't think they wrote the season off, but I just didn't think that they just didn't know what to do. They were like, we have to be seen to be strong to get rid of this manager because he's made mistakes. But of course, the mistakes came at board level. The mistakes came when you went and bought a guy for 36, 37 years old, gave him £25 million a year. They're the mistakes that have unraveled the season and the harmony of the football team. So uh, I don't think that they, like you said, they're the Conte side of it. We did plenty of shows at the time, um, you know, on the other, other podcasts that I do about Conte being the choice that they should have gone for Conte. And they didn't go for Conte because they were a little bit worried that he would rock the boat, that he would come in and say, well, you need to rip all this up. That's not what they wanted. They wanted a coach who would come in and say, well, you've got a big mess, but I'm a strategist. I can help you get to where you want to be. But in the middle of that, Scott, you've got to motivate players. In the middle of that, you've got to make players want to play and want to win. And this is what we're seeing at Man United is that these players are not quite 100%. But even when you're 85 or 90 or 95%, you generally lose in the Premier League. You haven't got a choice. 95% means you lose football matches. And this Man United team, they're very much around that kind of moniker of, of being quite off it, but at the same time, turning up, wearing the shirt, taking their money, going home, looking forward to pre-season. And you can feel that, can't you? Yeah. There was a, a number of months, and for a long time, actually, under Solskjaer, the big criticism was United playing spells and patches and yeah. they'd look really good for 20 minutes and then look God awful for 25 and then switch it back. And then they were managing to like, they'd go down in a, one nil down in an away game or a home game or something like that. And they put a run together of what, 29 away matches unbeaten yeah. or something like that in the league. I, th- I can't remember, but they set over a Premier a year, League record. Over a year. Yeah. Over a year unbeaten away on the road. So, you know, there's something working there, wasn't there at that point? There was. My 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 question though is, and at the risk of upsetting, you know, United fans, how how much blame here is on Ollie for the mess that has been left? Because you mentioned there that 
the players that are in were Ollie's boys. Ollie defended them to the hilt, and he did that quite often. Uh, but did he leave them on easy street a little bit too much? And now they're kind of a bit entitled in the sense they don't want to be pushed and they won't accept that. I think what we're seeing as a squad and as a DNA of this Man United squad, like how it how it is constructed and how it is today, that I say it all the time, they're a bit soft. So I think Ole knew that. So again, Ole said after when um when Everton thrashed Man United in that last game going back last season. <laughs> Remember this. Uh... Ole, Ole was quite explicit where he said some of these boys won't be here in the future. So he, so Ole did know, but you're saying, that is it Ole's fault? I think that any coach, if you're the manager, you are responsible for results. So if results are bad, it's on your shoulders. It doesn't mean it's your fault or you're to blame, but it's your responsibility. And that goes with any team. So look at look at Klopp last year at Liverpool. Liverpool had a bad season, didn't they? They went to Aston Villa, shipped seven. That's on Jurgen Klopp. He did have injuries. He did have problems. But it's on the manager always. A manager has to carry it in that moment. And I think Ole always accepted that responsibility. I don't think he was a shirker. I don't think he did what, what Jose did, where Jose was just trying to blame everything else except himself. And you see that with managers ever go one way or the other. I think Ole was quite straight up about it. I think Ole was working within the parameters of what the board gave him. So he, he, he certainly had massive input into the football inside and he was given that input by the Glazers. But ultimately, it was Ed Woodward making decisions. And I still think that looking at this season, the, the big failure has come the way the board constructed this season going forward. And obviously you can't have much confidence even while Eric Ten Hag, we won't do a big section on Ten Hag today because nothing's really changed, even though there were reports... Over the weekend of interest from the Bundesliga, uh, it does seem like it's just a case of, I don't know what you understand there, Rob, but to me, it just seems like it's a case of just tying things up and nothing's going to be announced anyway before the cup final, which Ajax play in this weekend. But little section on Ten Hag. Yeah, I think, yeah I th- I, with, with Ten Hag, as I keep saying, not much has changed, but I think it's really important to highlight what he wants. It's really important. He wants control. That's what he wants. He's not going to come to Man United if he gets what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got. He's not going to come to Man United if he got what Jose Mourinho got. He is not going to do it. And that has, I think, been put, put laid on the table for Manchester United to look at and make these decisions. And ironically, the worse Man United are now, the more games they lose, the more Everton's happen, the more likely it is that Ten Hag will get what he wants. And he really is in a category of one at the moment, isn't he? Like, Man United are not particularly looking around elsewhere in terms in their due diligence. They want this manager. They really do. They can't announce anything as it stands, but they've got to give him what he wants. And my understanding at the moment is that that hasn't been agreed. So if that has not been agreed, there is every chance that Eric Ten Hag either ends up somewhere else or says, do you know what? I've got one more year at Ajax. I like it here. It's a good football club. I can achieve more here in the next year than I would say in the next year at Manchester United. So I'll just see my time out here, see my contract out. And then I've got even more choice, haven't I? Like you just said there, the Bundesliga interest is real. Um, it's it's historic as well. So we know Leipzig and the connections and his connections to the Bundesliga as an individual. But this is not a done deal yet. And this is why I refuse to kind of say 100%. We're getting closer, of course. And I think when we get to the end of the season, United will want to pull that trigger and and pull it fast. You know, they'll want to show the world, we went out, we got our boy, this is who we want, and here we go, the next glory period for Man United. There's a lot more work to do on that, Scott, than just going to get the new manager. 
it's understandable from Ten Hag's position as well. Obviously, 100%. his stock is at the highest it's ever been. Yeah. And he is in a position where he has doesn't have like massive choice of clubs. But if he waited another year, let's say Pep left City in 2023, he'd be a contender for that job. So okay. he's got to take control of his own future. And if he's seen a track record of managers over the last 10 years at United fail because of the same problems, he's going to want to ensure that he doesn't fall victim to that as well. So it's understandable. Uh, uh, yeah. And the fact that he wants to be in charge of transfer policy, because this is one of the things, this is something that Man United do not give managers wholeheartedly. They gave it to Ole because they kind of trusted him. He'd been at the club for a while, two, three years, and they still didn't really listen to everything he said. They didn't. You know, that's why he ended up being sacked in the end. But this is the whole thing with Ten Hag, is that he's going to come to Man United and he will want those guarantees that he gets that final veto on transfers. Will they give it to him? I'm not 100% sure. I really don't know. This is... This is a, a set of accountants that will be more interested in their books and their profits than it will be about giving a manager the purse strings. Well, again, though, if they keep following that instinct and they've seen the slide that's come over the last 10 years, then they must surely realise that they're getting something wrong. But yeah, the, you know, I think Ten Hag's concern really is why was Donny Va- like a player like Donny van der Beek signed who, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer never really used. Ralph Ranić never really used and sent out on loan. There's there's a big waste of money going on there. Uh, And it's about getting transfer decisions right, both inwards and outwards. And obviously, we'll see what happens in the next few days with Ten Hag. Ajax play PSV in the Dutch Cup final and are still top of the Eredivisie as it stands. So Ten Hag is on course for a domestic double. And question for you, Rob, will he be managing Cristiano Ronaldo next season? Because you know, we, we spoke about Ronaldo a few times uh, obviously over the course of the season the problem he has kind of posed on the team in terms of style and this kind of thing, but now there's another problem in the sense of let's just say he's not setting the best example uh, obviously post-match at Everton he was spotted walking off the pitch and batting a phone out of a fan's hand obviously with stud marks in his leg, but you can't do that really, can you? And, you know, it's a kind of emblem of United season in a sense, the fact that Ronaldo's come in and we've seen essentially the worst of him and not maybe a few good moments, but not, not really enough. And he is on the decline. He's on a contract, a massive contract for at least another year. But what can we expect, uh, First of all, what your reaction to the to Saturday with Ronaldo and what can we expect of him moving forward? I think he needs to find the suspended. I've said that quite quite openly. The reason why I think that is that if you take it out of the context of that it's Manchester United or Ronaldo or whoever, if you see that happen on a football pitch or when someone's coming off a football pitch, your automatic thing is to think, well, you need to be fined or suspended. So I'm not changing that for Cristiano, but it very much is a metaphor not just for his time at Manchester United, but for how Manchester United have been for the last 12 months. And that is that there's this kind of um, kind of inward looking from the squad of, of themselves licking their own wounds, as opposed to being outward looking and finding solutions. So Cristiano was on that football pitch. It's not all on him. Like I keep saying this, it's not all Ronaldo's fault. It really isn't. But his signing took United in a completely different direction to the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had been building. There's no doubt about that. Ronaldo fans hate that logic. They think, no, I've had it as well. Like when I travel to Old Trafford and when I'm at the ground, people always say to me, it's not Ronaldo's fault. It's not Ronaldo's fault, but it's 
all of them it's the chemistry between them and you cannot you cannot walk away from the fact that cristiano is a huge influence on everyone at that football club so him walking off and doing that tells you really what's happening doesn't it you know again because your senior player your goat your greatest of all time icon should not be doing that in any context should they so will he be at the club next year i think the glazers would like him to be he still sells lots of shirts he'll still sell lots of shirts next year for the football project should he be there next year truth is probably not He's not a player who's going to sit on the bench. You can't really rotate Ronaldo in and out. He's not going to be happy for that. So, so I think you need to move him on somehow or the other. But that's for the football terms. I think I think this, again, is going to be the big conversation for Ten Hag. If he comes in and says, well, Ronaldo's not the player that I want at the top end of the pitch because I need a worker. What are the Glazers going to say to that? You know, they, they got rid of Ole and Solskjaer because Ole couldn't make that work with Ronaldo. Do you just do that all the time with coaches now? Unfortunately, that's what the Glazers do do. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll talk about worker, workman-like forwards. Uh, we'll switch to it now, actually, if you want. Um, Night Min and a bunch of other media over the last few days have reported uh, United's interest in Darwin Nunes uh, from Benfica. Uh, we've at Night Min reported that Edinson Cavani has given a glowing reference to United on a potential buy for for this player who's scored twenty-four goals and twenty-four. Uh, Portuguese league games this season five in the Champions League as well is attracting interest from across Europe 65 million pounds should be the kind of number there or thereabouts even Mm -hmm. to get him out of the club even if Benfica would hope to get the heights of uh, João Felix levels of transfer fee uh, as uh, as was reported over the weekend coming from their camp but uh, he is the type of striker while there's concerns technically uh, maybe in terms of his link-up play, he does strike you as energetic, a good option to lead to the front, can play in a variety of positions as well. Kind of in the mould of maybe a player they'll be losing in Cavani, I guess, in a sense. Maybe he's a successor on international level to Cavani. Uh, but obviously there's doubt over Ronaldo as well and what will happen with him and maybe whether Nunes actually comes in will rely on whether Ronaldo stays or goes, but how is it? How important is it to address this uh, area up front, Rob? This summer, obviously, there's a lot of areas that need work. Where, where in the pecking order would you put centre forward? Oh god, it changes every week because United are so bad positionally, like position for position. You kind of one week you're like, well, we need a striker. The next week you're like, you need to gut the midfield. Then you're talking about centre backs and full backs. Even goalkeepers, we've talked about, is David De Gea good enough with his feet? So it feels like there is a position, therefore, to be uh, analysed almost every week. What I will say about Nunes, and I think also the Ronaldo part of this is really important, is that Cristiano has basically put overtures out that he would like to stay in England. That's one of the things that he'd put out there when he came back to Manchester United. Um, the other option for him is going back to Portugal and going and living and, and being out there, being maybe in the Portugal, Portuguese league. So there are, you know, possible theories here kind of coming together about clubs that might be interested in Cristiano Ronaldo next season. I think with Nunes coming to United, it would have to be as Ronaldo's replacement. He cannot, he cannot come to the football club as as a sub or someone who would be rotating out. You're you're buying him because he is going to be your striker. That's why you would buy him. Like you said there, the fears and worries are the same ones I think that everyone has got. 
Is he technical enough? Can he link up play? In a modern 4-3-3, is he really the kind of person you want leading the line? Yes, he can play as an attacking midfielder. He can play on the left. He can play through the middle. He gives you options. But this is, again, about a more holistic build, isn't it, Scott? If you're bringing in players, it's because you've decided that the players that you've got are not going to do it for you. And Cristiano is very much one of those. So if you move Ronaldo out as a striker, you've got to go and find a striker. If we presume for now that we don't know about Mason Greenwood and what's going to happen with his future, but we can say that he's not on the books and he might not be at the football club next year, you definitely then need a striker, don't you? So I think Man United are looking at Nunes. I think we've, you know, we've, we've heard this. There's always a lot of chitter-chatter from the Portuguese league when any of their players are linked. So Bruno Fernandes, when he came to Manchester United, that was talked about. Oh, about, my God. Do you remember God, that? 12 oh. months. It was 12 months of talk. So, you know, like when, when it got to the point uh, in that January transfer window of you know, kind of put up or shut up, Man United put the money up in the end and they got him. But this is how I think uh, the Portuguese press and the clubs do operate. It's very similar to Spain, how the Spanish clubs work with Marca and all of the kind of Spanish media and how they kind of big up players and talk through agents and all those things. So I think that he's a really good option for Man United. But is he the only option? No. You know, there are, there are other players out there that, you know, if he's 65 million or around that mark, can you do better for that 65 million? Or can you wheel and deal, maybe move one or two players out and talk about Cristiano, take that 25 million pound wage off and find a better forward who then is, you know, going to play every game, guarantee you goals and assists and guarantee you a way in the style of playing? Because I think that's what Ten Hag will be looking for. Funnily enough, Nunes is a little bit like Haller in a way, you know, in the way that he took Haller from West Ham, who everyone thought was terrible and, you know, you know, no chance of being a top player. Did well in the Bundesliga, but never not good enough for the Premier League. Goes to Ajax and is a joy and fits a technical system. So can you get someone who's a little bit more of a brute and put him in a technical system? I think the answer to that is yes. Whether he's the, the choice for Man United, the one who takes us forward, I'm not so sure. Yeah, United have sent uh, scouting delegations to watch Nunes, as is, you know, they will do this for lots and lots of players. You know, they've, they still don't score a hat-trick at the weekend, uh, and they've been watching him for a little while now. Yeah. That's not to say, though, that they will definitely move. There's interest from other clubs in the Premier League. Chelsea, uh, Arsenal have been linked as well. West Ham tried to sign him on transfer deadline day in January. Yeah. Uh, and he fits all those the teams. The pack. Yeah. He fits all the teams. So like Chelsea, like we look at Chelsea and look at what's happened with Lukaku. There's every chance that Lukaku's going to go because it's just not worked. So they would look for someone like him. He would fit them. You know, he's kind of a bit more Diego Costa than yeah. than Romelu or Werner. You just said they're West Ham. They could do with someone else up top because Antonio can't do it all himself. Uh, Arsenal, the, the Lacazette. Uh, issue there in terms of that he gets assists but never gets goals that's a problem so there's always that he, he fits certain football clubs and that means it's going to be a big kind of roulette wheel for him that he, he's got choice so I think Man United will, will continue their interest in him and he could fit United but only only if Cristiano leaves yes indeed and Eric Ten Hag if he were to come in you mentioned there that he's a little bit could maybe fit the hollow position yeah uh, Ten Hag should know about him as Nunes knocked Ajax out with the Champions League a few weeks ago. He certainly uh, did. With a header. So we'll see how that progresses. Uh, And you can also follow uh, a new podcast of Nighting Mint called Talking Transfers with myself and Graham Bailey, uh, who was on the show a few weeks ago. So uh, keep your eyes out for that and subscribe that to subscribe to that. Sorry, on all of your major uh, audio platforms, wherever you get these as well. 
Um, and Rob, let's move on to this weekend. Now we'll mm. do another show, I would imagine, before the Norwich game. But over the last few days, uh, it has been put out there from fan group in 1958 that there is a plan to hold protests against the Glazer family and their ownership of the club outside Old Trafford before the Norwich game and mm. boycott the game for 17 minutes, uh, a minute for every year they've been in charge until 3.17 and stay outside for 17 minutes with us. Let's face it, you won't miss much action anyway is in the statement. Uh, and importantly, this isn't another Liverpool. So the, obviously we know what happened with the Liverpool protests last season. Uh, storming the ground, causing damage, and essentially like postponing the game. This plan is more along the lines of peaceful protesting with banners, flags, flares, uh, and it's essentially like a something to stir up the fans to get momentum and do this consistently over the next few weeks and months uh, to show the dissatisfaction of the Glazer family, which is now obviously showing perhaps more than it ever has. Uh, you know, the way that they've run the club is now showing on the pitch more than it ever has before. So, Rob, uh, what do we make of this then? So, protests planned. Uh, do we think this is going to be a big statement going across the world? What's your reaction to this? 17 years. So, we've been talking about this for 17 years. I can remember the day the Glazers bought the football club that a lot of my friends and people I know at Old Trafford been their season ticket. They went, I'm not doing this. I'm not giving my money to a club that's put my football club in debt. Not doing it. So that's the starting point. And it was 17 years ago. So here we are now fast forward to where we are today. I think the big problem is with this, Scott, is that this has turned into a kind of civil war amongst Manchester United fans. Clicks and factions against clicks and factions. When the real problem is the ownership. And the ownership know this. The ownership know that these kind of groups are pitting against each other through fan channels, through Twitter, through socials, at the pubs, outside the grounds, all of these things. They know this, and that keeps them comfortable in power. Now, with this latest protest, you know, I think the whole 17 minutes before before the game thing and then going in is kind of flawed. You're going to get a little bit of traction in terms of the press will, will view it. How will the police view this? I'm not quite sure they're going to let you have flares outside the ground at Man United. I think you're probably going to end up in a riot van. It's not going to work. You can't protest that way. So how can you protest? I've always said this before. The best way to do it is peacefully. That's They've put that in their statement. But if everyone from Man United, every season ticket holder, went and sat on the concourse for a whole game and missed the whole match, that is news. But I'm afraid, you know, a couple of thousand going from a pub to the ground to sing songs and let off flares. People just view it as they view it. I've seen a lot of media outlets this week. When Man United lost to Everton and then this was announced, a lot of media outlets went, oh, United lost a game so the fans are upset. And that is the kind of, that's the way we're viewed as a fan base. But unfortunately, there's more at play here. And I think that, that it needs to be smarter. You know, if you want to do this, you want to protest properly, you need to find a way that the Glazers will listen to. You need to be able to sit at the table with the Glazers and tell them what the problems are and negotiate that way because they're not going anywhere. And as I always say, Glazers out, what does it mean? What do you want in? Who do you want to be the next owner of Manchester United? Because you know what? Be careful what you wish for. 
Could you just expand on that a little bit, Rob? Because I know there's, uh, obviously we all know the negativity uh, that comes with the Glazers' ownership, but mm. we ha- as we have seen across football with the ownership at, you know, City, Newcastle, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's not, there's not many people in the world, if any, who can go and buy United and supply them with hundreds of millions of pounds a summer without any particular consequences coming the other way. If Manchester United were to be sold, it would be sold to a faction that had sports washing at its heart. That's the truth, because they're the only people that can afford Manchester United. So you would, you know, without putting geography on it, because there's plenty of of global factions that want to buy sports teams to be able to hide what they do back in their homeland. And that does happen. It's a real thing. But football fans don't really care about that. What do football fans care about? They care about winning. So if you win, everyone shuts up. We've got a team just down the road from our football club that have been winning for the last 10 years now. But you've got to trace the money back. It's not good. We've just seen Newcastle bought by a consortium. And that consortium is hidden all sorts of stuff and saying, well, it's not connected to a government. It's not. Yes, it is. So this is the problem is that be careful what you wish for, because as bad as the Glazers are and they are bad, they've put the team into horrendous debt. We should not be judging this by winning or losing, because if you judge it by that, you're always going to feel sad when you lose. This has to be about the health of the football club. So Glazers out. Great. Say it until you're, you know, you're loud and proud where you're green and gold. Tell the world. But tell everyone what you want. Because this lot of Man United fans that are saying this, they're not giving suggestions. If the new Newcastle consortium had come banging on the Glazers' doors six months ago and said they wanted to buy Man United, a lot of these fans who were going to march this weekend would have said yes to that. Unfortunately, I'm the opposite. I don't want that. I don't want that at my football club. I don't want it on my conscience. I don't want my football club linked to uh, human right atrocities. I really don't want that. But some football fans, of course, will not look at that political element. So what is the step, the next step then, Rob? Uh, Obviously, we are seeing awful results. And as I just said, you know, the mismanagement of the last, you know, it has been 17 years, but Sir Alex Ferguson was good enough and had enough control to be able to mask the problems for a long long enough time. But since he's left, it's kind of all fallen apart. And we are now seeing the results of this mismanagement play out on the pitch, even though the Glazers have thrown hundreds of millions, a billion pounds, at this squad, you know, this it's been mismanaged awfully to the point where United are probably at their lowest ebb or one of the lowest ebbs under their ownership. What, yeah. what do they need to do? And this is why I always say this is not about money. And uh, so this is the problem, isn't it? When we talk about the, the squad and the team, it's not about money. It's about management. It's about recruitment. So if you've spent £1.25 billion on players, which is what the Glazers have spent then you should be doing better, isn't it? You should be looking at it and saying, well, why have we not succeeded? So I still do think that in terms of football, that you might see the Glazers get lucky. They might roll the dice. Ten Hag might come in. He might be a worldie. And two or three years down the line, we're saying, oh, wow, this Man United team can compete because it does have the coffers to spend on players. It has spent that money. But that's not what this conversation is about, is it? It's about the health of the football club. It's about fans identifying where they kind of pin their their own opinions on. So the problem will be is that if this just comes about success, yeah, Man United are at their lowest ebb here in terms of success. Sir Alex kept the ship afloat for a long time. 
But at the same time, this should not be about trophies. This should be about how you feel about your football club and how it's run. As I said, at the start of this 17 years ago, a ton of United people that I know left the football club and they went and formed FC United of Manchester. They decided to do that because they couldn't have it on their conscience that that was going to happen to their football club. I said at the time, and I was completely honest about it, is that we had to wait and see. I wanted to see what the Glazers did over a period of time in terms of the debt, in terms of the management, in terms of the finances of the football club. And it's not been good, as it, Scott? Because it's, you know, it's eroded into the culture of Manchester United as well. So that's why I don't like the ownership. That's why I don't agree with the ownership. But I do think you need to negotiate with them. I think you need to sit with them and tell them what you want and push that first. You can't just say Glazers out and then who else in? I don't understand why fans don't get that. I don't understand why fans think that grass is always greener because we live in a strange world where sport is being used to cloud all sorts of issues. And I do not want my football team to cloud some of the biggest issues in the world. Yeah, We haven't talked about this, uh, but Gary Neville uh, issued a five-point plan for the Glazers a few weeks ago. Did you catch this? A little bit, yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, let me. This isn't in the script, so I just wanted to try and uh, dig it up because it's relevant to the conversation. He of did. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think he. It was on the overlap. I think it was where he said mm. the Glazers need to do X. They need to upgrade the the training ground. They need to mm. upgrade the stadium. Uh, plow money into the playing squad. It's all wipe the deck completely. That was four. And there's another there's another bit which I will try and dig up. But Rob, uh, in terms of what he outlined from what you can remember, what was your initial reaction to that? And is it kind of dreamland? Right. It's not dreamland, but this is pure culture war. So what is the culture war? It's where faction goes against faction and hides the pro- real problems. So what we're saying here in football terms is that if you upgrade the playing the, the, the playing facilities, you you knock the stadium down, you rebuild the stadium, you buy good players. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? You should buy good players. You do all those things, you can compete with the the oligarchs at other football clubs. Well, okay, that's cool. That's a football solution, but that's not really what the conversation is about, is it? So it hides what what the true conversation is. So I don't believe that the Glazers want to lose. And I say this all the time. I think the Glazers want to win. They put the money up. They've put the money into these things. And I think in the next phase, they will do that. So I think Gary's right to highlight those things. But that then just becomes about people with money, isn't it? It's just a billionaire solution. Throw money at it and it fixes it. I think we're talking about the soul of Manchester United here. I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the people that that live around Old Trafford and have been going to this football club their whole lives, that their families are their third and fourth generation, and about what is their football club today. I think that's the conversation. But yes, there are solutions. And yes, if you spend money the right way, yes, you'll get it right eventually. But that's why these whole, you know, two, three, four, five point plans, it feels like United got 99 problems. I said this last week and I've said it the week before. There are so many issues at this football club that it's not just about you know, money. It cannot. It cannot be just about money. It has to be about philosophy and about what the football club truly is at its fabric. I have, uh, while you've been talking, Rob, dug up Neville's five-point plan for okay. the Glazers to reset Man United. Yeah. One, stop taking dividends out of the club. Two, sell five hundred million pounds worth of shares to support us to pay off the debt. Three, knock down Old Trafford, build a new stadium, and sell naming rights to rival the stadia in you know in the US, where you kind of have like these 
massively futuristic stadiums with company names on the top. AT&T Stadium. Exactly. Uh, build a new training ground to compete with rivals is step four and then step yep. five. Invest 100 to 150 million pounds a year in the sporting project. We probably should have covered this at the time, actually. It was just a, uh, I think it was, it came out at the start of April during the international break. So this is Gary Neville's simple plan. Uh, but, you know, like, like we say, Rob, it, it kind of leads us onto the conversation because it's not as simple as just getting the Glazers out. And you, it's kind of luck of the draw in a sense, really, how what kind of owner are you going to get if they do leave? So are there any kind of ways for the Glazers to correct the mistakes there's, of the last 17 years? There's absolutely no owner at the top end of football that buys a football club to not make money out of it. When Gary Neville bought Sol- Salford, this is not an attack on Gary, but when he bought Salford, it was to develop Salford so they could become a Premier League club one day. Is Gary Neville going to take no money out of Salford ever? It's, 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 this is the whole thing. So a business is a business and it's about generating profits for the owners and the owners will take some money. So it, them taking £20 million of dividends out of the football club every year does not cripple Manchester United. It's not right. But it doesn't cripple United. It's not why United are failing. United are not failing because that 20 million quid, they've just given Cristiano 25 million quid to be an old man hobbling around on our football pitch. So that's not the problem. The problem is, is about everything else, but how you kind of view your club, how you build from the bottom. Do you look at youth? Do you build from, you know, do you accept defeats in the early days to get somewhere later on? Now, that's a problem for the fan base because a lot of the fans won't accept that. You know, they don't want it to be the United way. They want it to be the City way. They want it to be the Liverpool way. They just want to win now because that's what they want. But that five-point plan, I'm afraid, Gary, it's just, it's it, they're, they're like the most obvious points, aren't they? Invest in your team. Yes. You know, have a good stadium, have good training facilities. Yes. Leave it there, Rob. Sure. <laughs> I, I will leave it. I will leave it there because these are the. We can all say the obvious, yeah. We can. And we all do. We all kind of do. We highlight these things all the time. But at the same time, I think you need to be a little bit more smart with this, and we need to push the Glazers in a certain direction as a fan base. You know, we have to try and mould opinion rather than just say, right, rip it up and start again. Because I think that's always the problem: is that you're not getting these owners out of this football club. March as much as you want, but you're not getting them out of your football club. It's about a bigger thing than, than this, I think, in terms of discourse about what Manchester United is. And I think this is why United fans will leave United in years ahead. I've predicted this. I think a lot of fans will look at this and kind of just go, these owners don't match my values. So do I go to Old Trafford and give them my ticket money all the time? I think that's a much, much bigger, deeper question than will they build a new stadium? I think they will. I, I almost guarantee they will knock the stadium down in the next year or two and build a new stadium. And the payoff will be that it will be the Disney Stadium or something like that. It'll be called something, you know, the Boddington Stadium or something like that. Boddington. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it will be. It will be the Guinness Stadium, the Boddington Stadium, something like that. And they'll and they'll make their money that way. And money will still flow out of the football club. What's important for the football team also is what's spent inside the football club. So I know that's what Gary's addressing. And I know that's also what some football fans do connect to. So I understand what you're saying. I think he's right on one level, but I don't think that that's the wider conversation. That's the culture war of how do you solve something that is already being solved. There are bigger things to solve behind the scenes. Yes, indeed. We will see what uh, the protest comes out like ahead of the Norwich game on Saturday, although we should be back later this week to discuss more things Manchester United 
we have seen United lose to Everton. They are now six points away from top four in danger of potentially mm-hmm. qualifying for the Europa Conference League. Although West Ham and Wolves each, uh, you know, are the rivals for that position, I guess. And maybe United yeah. could end up stumbling into sixth place. Uh, and qualifying for the Europa League unless Crystal Palace win the FA Cup, which we will see. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there's plenty to get our teeth into over the next few weeks. Maybe we'll see developments regarding Eric Ten Hag this week. And we'll talk about it on Friday. But Rob, I'll, I'll wrap up in a second. But any final thoughts from you? No, what I will say is this, that we all love Manchester United. We all care about the football club. And there is no one who loves or cares about the club more. Because I think that this is part of the problem, is that we're getting these these splinter factions kind of saying, well, we we are the life and soul of Manchester United, whereas you lot aren't. You know, as I said before, there are plenty of people in our audience here who read my work and watch our shows here who are from the other side of the world who love Manchester United just as much as I do. And I go to every football match. So I don't think we need to look at it like that. I think we need to, we do need to be united. We need to be together. And if we, we get change at United, it will be a global effort. It won't come from a few fans down the pub. Yes, indeed. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio and just another reminder too, you can get in touch with us. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. And we'll see you later this week ahead of the Norwich game. Thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.